appreciate that song this morning and love this time of year. Uh, we sing those Christmas hymns. It's funny to sing them sometimes. I don't know. Uh, some of y'all looked at Colin like he was crazy Googling that, but I bet you didn't know what it meant either at the beginning of the service. So uh, we, uh, there was another word that was weird. I think bard. Was that in one of the songs we sang earlier? B-A-R-D. Somebody after church, tell me what that means because I don't know, okay? Um, what's that? It's a song? Matt's a genius. All right, let's go. Luke chapter number one, and we're going to, I must have been the only one that didn't know what that meant this morning, so uh, Luke chapter number one as we continue our series in Luke, and glad you are here uh, this morning. Uh, love this time of year, love this season. Be back tonight, of course, uh, at five and at 630. We'll have two uh, different services tonight with our choir singing, the kids will be singing as well. Luke chapter number one, let's begin reading in verse number five. The Word of God says this, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, and of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. They had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken in years. It came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of this course, According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. The whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. Verse 11, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. The angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Now shall have joy and gladness. Many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Many of the children of Israel shall be turned to the Lord uh, their God. Verse number 17. He shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, my wife is well stricken in years. The angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. Behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day of the things performed, because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. The people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he had beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein we looked on me, to take away my reproach among men. Let us pray this morning. Our Father, we love you, Lord, and we do thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful music that's already been sung. Lord, I thank you for, uh, Lord, just this time of year, what it represents. God, I pray for the small group that's meeting right now. Lord, I pray for the kids' classes this morning. Lord, I pray for everything that's on, going on on this property. Lord, those that are joining us online, those that are here in, purpose, uh, in person. God, I pray that you would speak to us from your word. I pray that you would teach us. I pray that you would help us. In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. And we've talked about this a little bit uh, in the last couple weeks, but have you ever just been tired of waiting? 
maybe waiting on God to answer a prayer. You ever been there before? You've been praying for something for a long time, and he's just not answering it. Waiting on God maybe to reveal his plan for your life. Maybe waiting on an issue to resolve. Waiting uh, can be hard, can it? Not only is it frustrating, but it can be hard. Waiting can be stressful. Waiting can cause worry. What to do in the waiting? It's a good question. What are we to do when we're waiting on that answered prayer? What are, we do, what are we to do when we're waiting for that issue to resolve? In our text this morning here in Luke chapter number 1, understand uh, since the book of Malachi, that prophet Malachi had come until the Gospels, listen, there had been a 400-year time, probably closer to 500 where God had simply been silent. There had been no prophet. There had been, he hadn't spoken in over 400 years. And in our text, we're going to see him begin to speak. And he's going to teach us some things through this story about these uh, two or three different people, Zacharias and Elizabeth, about what to do in the waiting. Look at verse number 5. Here in verse number 5, we're introduced to three different people. Look at your Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. It says this, There was in the days of King Herod, so there's this man named Herod, which we're going to see throughout the gospel, the king of Judea, a certain priest, a second person mentioned, Zacharias, and then the third person mentioned, so we have the king of King Herod, we have the priest Zacharias, and then we have Zacharias' wife, Elizabeth. Now, if you know your, your Bible, Herod was a terrible guy. He even had some of his own family executed at different points. Throughout history, he has been known for his great buildings. Matter of fact, you could still go over to Jerusalem and see some of the remains of some of those buildings, seeing uh, some of the foundation. He was known for that, his architecture and the buildings that he had been built. He, but he, listen, he was a terrible guy. He wasn't a descendant of Jacob, the Israelite. He was a descendant of Esau. He was a Edomite. He was also, and he's still known just for his cruelty. And we're going to see him again um, later in the book. You're going to hear this in the days of Herod. So that's the time that this story, this is the setting. Man, Herod is the king. So then we have these two other people. We have a priest and his wife. Look at verse number six. Verse number six is going to tell us a little bit about Elizabeth and Zacharias. Look at this. And they were both righteous before God, walking in the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, and blameless. So it gives us a glimpse into the testimony or the reputation of these two other people that are mentioned. First of all, it says here, listen, they were blameless, they were righteous, and they were obedient to God. Now it says Zacharias was a priest. So at this point in history, man, Israel would have had a ton of priests. Somewhere around 20,000 different priests that would serve. They were separated into 24 divisions, and each would do their priestly duties in a two-week period. Now, there were certain duties that only some of them would be able to do when they cast lots and that lot ended on them because there's so many. Now it's very significant because that's going to play a role in what we're going to see in our text. So when we look at Zacharias and we look at Elizabeth, if you were to ask what kind of people they are, they're obedient people, they're blameless people, and they're righteous people. They both had a good testimony. Now look at verse number seven. Keep your Bibles open. Verse seven. And they, notice this, and they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren. So they had a problem, just like, man, they were going through something. 
Just like many of us may have gone through. And it may not be that specific problem of not being able to have children, but that's a real thing for real people that, man, it's a real struggle. That's where they're at, okay? They weren't able to have children. And by the way, in these times, man, not having children would almost put you kind of like as a lower class of person. Your children and your sons to carry on your name. Man, this was a big deal. But they're at a point in life where they're barren. They can't have any, they, they, they can't have any children. It says here that they were stricken in years in the King James. That simply means this. They were old, okay? They were probably past that childbearing stage, okay? They were past that time where you're going to have kids, okay? Kind of like Matt and Ashley just announced they're having a baby. Somebody help me, okay? It would take a miracle, all right? That's where they're at. They're older, and they're, they're, they're moving forward. You know, it, it's not happening. Sorry, I, I don't even know where that came from. That wasn't in my notes, Ashley. I'm sorry. Verse number 10, or verse number 8, I'm sorry. Verse number 8, I got myself distracted this morning. I don't know what's going on. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course. So he's serving his two weeks. 20,000 priests, he's serving during his time. Look at verse number 9. According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. So, man, that lot landed on him. So because of the size of the priesthood, because of the, there being 20,000, they would cast lots. You'll find that all through Scripture. They would cast lots to perform certain priestly duties. Many, listen, this is why this is important, many would never have the opportunity to perform the duties within the temple. Man, that lot would have to land on them. To be chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense, listen, it was one of the highest honors for a priest. This would be a ritual that would take place every single morning and every single evening. They would go in and they would light and they would burn the inc- they would burn the incense. This would be the closest that they would ever get inside the temple to the holy of holies. This would be one of the greatest, um, if not the greatest, honor of Zachariah's life to enter in, to minister in the temple, to light and burn the incense outside of the Holy of Holies. This was a sacred job, a special service, a holy place. Most would go into this place and they would perform it quickly, not to disturb or not to get too close to that great a reverent place, the Holy of Holies. There was a great fear of the Holy of Holies. You, if you know your Bible, you know back in Exodus Leviticus, they would go into the Holy of Holies once a year on that Day of Atonement, and they would make that offering for the sacri- for the for the on, on behalf of the children of Israel. And that priest would put on a robe, and on the bottom of that robe there would be a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate all the way around his robe, so that as he was moving, they could still they they would hear him and know that 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 he was alive. Now you won't find this. In scripture, but history tells us that they would many times tie a rope around his foot. So if he did mess up in the in the in coming into the presence of God and died, they would able be able to drag him out because of the fear that they had for this holy place. So as Zacharias would walk in to this place, he would be outside of the holy of holies. No doubt in his life, this was a memorable day. No doubt this would be an exciting day, a reverence. Day, an anticipated day of the life of Zacharias. Let's see what happens. Look at verse number 10. Verse number 10. The whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. So he's going in, people outside, they are praying. Look at verse number 11. There appeared unto him. So he's walking in, he's not expecting this, he's just going to light this, do his thing, and get out of there. Look what happens. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side. 
of the altar of incense. So as he approaches the golden altar of incense, this altar would have been 18 inches square and 3 feet high, a small table with burning coals waiting for the incense to be placed there as this priestly duty was performed. To the right would have been the table of showbread, and to the left would have been that golden candlestick. Man, this would have been an awesome moment. He's getting ready to light it. He's getting ready to worship it. What a moment in the life of Zacharias as he looks to the right, though, something unexpected. There's an angel standing there. Look at verse number 12. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Could you imagine the anticipation of this day knowing that your lot had been, your name had been drawn, if you would, and you're able to go in to minister, man, right outside of the Holy of Holies, and man, this is a big deal. Something as a priest you've been thinking about doing your entire life, and you get in there, and an angel's got to mess it up. This angel shows up. Man, this fear is upon him. He's already scared to go in, but now there's this angel standing there. Look at verse number 13. He's scared. There's fear. But the angel said unto him, notice this, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son, and shall call his name John. So here God makes a promise to him through this angel. Now, Remember, how long had God been silent? Almost 500 years. Now the angel's standing there, the angel of the Lord, and he's speaking. God, he, he says this, and I love this. He says, God has heard your prayer. Man, I wonder how many years Zacharias and Elizabeth had been praying for a baby. Man, I wonder how many times they had gone into the presence of God. And if you've been a mom, and, and, and this is something that kind of resonates with us. God did bless us with one child, but that was the only child we were able to have. Man, I, those prayers that you prayed, I wonder how many times you went in the presence of God and maybe, you know, I wonder how many times they had knelt together and said, oh God, would you give us a child? Man, I wonder how many times that they had had that disappointment of God not answering that prayer in their timing. And God comes to him and he says, hey, I'm going to make a promise to you. You're going to have a child. And you're, listen, and yeah, you're old. Could y'all, I mean, could you imagine that, even that? I mean, you're this old, you're well stricken in years, and you're going to have a baby. The angel says your wife is going to bear a son, and his name is going to be John. And listen, this, 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 and even think about this, moms, and I know this, sometimes we just forget these are real people. God's telling you what you're going to name your child. You don't even get to name him. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? I know in today's culture, and I, I don't know about them, but today, man, it's time to have a baby and people buy books. You know, looking through the names. And, man, I like going at the years. Every once in a while, I'll look at the most popular names. And it's interesting how over time those names change and the style of name changes. And, you know, for about five years, everybody's naming their kids hippie names. Somebody help me. And then it goes to, you know, more traditional names. And, you know, there's this cycle that it goes through. But here the angel says to her, says to, or says to Zach here, listen, his name's going to be John. You're going to have a baby. Your wife's going to have a baby. You're old. going to have a baby. And his name is going to be John, look at verse 14. The angel keeps talking. Now shall I have joy and gladness. And this is an interesting phrase. And many shall rejoice at his birth. Verse 15. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. And he shall neither drink, uh, he shall ne drink neither wine nor strong drink. Talking about almost it refers back to that Nazarite vow back in the Old Testament. And he shall be filled, this is interesting, he shall be filled from the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. 
So even from her womb, he's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So he, he says in verse 14, this will bring you joy. This will bring you gladness. Your testimony of answered prayer is going to bless others. Many will rejoice over the years of his birth. Man, uh, listen, verse 15, he says this. He will be great. He will be controlled by the Spirit. And this is most likely a reference, as we mentioned, to that Nazarite vow in Numbers chapter number 6. He will be filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. He was ordained by God before, and I want you all to think with me here, before his birth to proclaim Christ. When I first read that, I was a little disturbed. I was like, man, he's not, man, he's not even born yet, yet he's already filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, remember, Jesus hasn't even come yet. He hasn't died on the cross to finish work. We're still in that age, if you will, where there's prophets and priests. So, if you remember Jeremiah, the same thing was said about him. This wasn't uncommon in the Old Testament for God to choose someone still in their mother's womb that they would be used in a great way. By the way, think about this when I read this. Man, this is for me, this is just a reminder for us that, listen, murdering a baby in the womb is murder because, listen, John the Baptist is already filled even within his mother's womb, similar to Jeremiah here. God is pro-life, by the way. Verse 16. Many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. God was going to use him in a great way. By the way, can I just say this, parents? That should be the prayer of every single parent sitting in this room this morning. God would use your children in a great way. I mean, that we would give our children to the Lord. Here, many of us have been given children, right? Just like Elizabeth and Zacharias have been given children. And I, I, I can't help but think back to Samuel and his mom. Men giving him and dedicating him to the Lord. And, and, and can I just say this? That dedication is a whole lot more than coming up here on a Sunday night and doing something cute and getting your certificate. No, it's about each one of us dedicating ourselves to the Lord that we'll be able to raise those children in the admonition of the Lord. Man, he would be used in a great way. Look at verse 17. And he shall go before him in the spirit of the power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Notice that word, turn. Man, they're going to repent. Man, they're going to turn the hearts of their fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make re ready uh, the people prepared for the Lord. So he says this, he will have the power like the prophet Elijah. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. This is a direct quote from Malachi chapter number 4, that there would be one that would come that would turn the hearts to their children. It's interesting here that the word turn is used two times. God was going to use this man by his spirit to turn people back to God. The words from Malachi chapter number 4 were literally the last Old Testament words that were said and now, man, when God speaks again, man, he picks up where he left off. God is going to use him. He's going to use this one, John, to prepare the way for the Messiah. Look at verse 18. Zechariah said unto the angel. Now he's talking to this angel. Remember, he was supposed to be in and out, right? He's going to get I wonder if people in the outer courts, man, are like listening. I wonder if that joker went into the Holy of Holies, you know? I wonder if he's alive. I wonder what's taking him so long. And Zacharias, verse 18, said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I'm old. My wife is stricken in years. I mean, almost like he's lacking faith for a minute. Because he's been praying for years. 
Man, he's wanting to see this for years. But at this moment, human reasoning takes over. Man, human reasoning says this can't be possible. Human reasoning says this cannot happen. Man, it seemed impossible. It didn't make sense. Me and my wife are old. Look at verse number 19. The angel answering and said unto him, I am Gabriel. Now, we know Gabriel from what we're going to see in a, a few weeks about the advent of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see it next week. He shows up to Mary just in the next text. By the way, Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. And, he, and he's sitting here. The Gabriel's talking. And he says, look at it. Look at verse, eight, verse 19. I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. And I am sent to speak unto thee. And notice this. And to show these glad tidings. I'm here to bring you some good news. Look at verse 20. Behold, thou shalt be dumb. And not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Because thou believest not my words that shall be filled in their season. The angel says this. You're not going to be able to speak until this comes to pass. Now, thinking about this, is this punishment? Is this God's grace? What is it? Either way, this is what happened. He goes in talking and he comes out not talking. His unbelief, listen, his unbelief affected some areas in his life. Look at verse 21. The people waited. There they are. They're waiting. What's going on in there for Zacharias? And he marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. By the way, I don't know if, man, if you and I were standing in the presence of God. I don't think God would have to shut us up. I think when we finally see his glory, when we finally see him for who he is, it's going to be, an awe, it's going to be one of those moments where we're awestruck. And we just don't have the words to say. Look at verse 23. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of uh, ministration were accomplished, he departed unto his own house. When he finished his two weeks, man, when he got his stuff done, he went back home. Look at verse number 24. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein we looked me to take away my reproach among men. Many believe here that she wasn't hiding those first five months because of her pregnancy. She was worshiping for five months, thanking God that he had done this great miracle in her life. I mean, thanking God that this thing that seemed humanly impossible, God was able to do. Aren't you thankful that God keeps his promises? That's what he's doing here in this text. He had promised him something, and he keeps his promises. Look, look at your Bibles. We're almost done. Look at verse number, verse number 25. Thus the Lord hath dealt with me in the days uh, wherein he looked to me to take away my reproach among men. Men, this miracle, this answered prayer. Man, I begin to think about this text, about them waiting all these years to see this, something they had prayed for forever. Isn't that an awesome story, by the way? And how God worked. And Man, there's some interesting things in here we're going to look at. But in the waiting, what are we to do? I don't know about you, but when I'm in these waiting seasons of my life, many times I get impatient. Anybody else like that? Like, I want what I want, and I want it now. Like, man, I wanna, if I want to see somebody healed that's going through something, I'm praying God will do it right now, you know. How many of you all figured out that's not always his timing? Man, in the waiting, how many of you figured out that, if, man, if we don't learn to trust and we don't learn to believe and we don't learn to have faith, man, there can, it can cause some major frustration for the Christian. Habakkuk was written. Y'all remember when we studied that a few years ago? Habakkuk cries out to God in chapter number one and basically says, God, where are you? There's political corruption. That's what Habakkuk was saying. Man, there's death, there's murder, there's crime. It doesn't seem like you're just. And Habakkuk's literally, Habakkuk's writing to God, saying this, God, I don't agree with you. I don't understand you. Are you even there? Man, I wonder if Zacharias and Elizabeth ever felt that way in this waiting. 
Man, what are we to do when we're waiting? There's something I learned about them as I was looking at this that they continue doing even while they were waiting. Some things that I hope can help us. The first thing that I notice in our text is this. Even in the waiting, even when they were barren and God hadn't provided, they continued. Listen, you got your Bibles open? Think about this. Where, where was he? He was in the temple doing his priestly duties. He was continuing to serve. Can I just tell you this morning, when you're in that waiting period, it's time to continue serving. Zacharias in the waiting, serving. He continued, what did he do? He continued his temple duties. Can I just say this this morning? You may be here and you've been waiting on an answered prayer for a long time. You may have been going through something for a long time. You may feel insignificant even in your service of what God has you doing. Can I just say this? Keep serving. Keep serving. Zacharias didn't just throw his hands up and say, God hasn't answered this prayer. God doesn't love me. I'm not going to serve him. No, he kept serving. You may feel like you want to do more or be more or have more. Something I wrote down about this, because a lot of us will be there. You may say, Jake, all God has me doing is vacuuming some carpets or taking care of these little kids. If God's called you to do it, that's the greatest calling for your life. Let me just say this, by the way. Every one of us should be serving some way. All of us should be. But... Many times I think this, we, if, we're not careful, we, if we're not careful, we can in our pride, we can be tempted to have that upfront thing all the time instead of the behind the scenes. Luke 16.10, Jesus said this, He that is faithful in that which is least is also faithful in much. He that is unjust in the least is also unjust in much. You may have something that you think small. Can I just say this? Do that small thing well. Serve. Man, if, if, you're, if God's job for you right now within the church or whatever, man, is, is something that's behind the scenes and nobody's going to clap for you and nobody's going to pat you on the back, can I just say this? Man, do it to the best of your ability for the glory of God. That's an awesome thing if that's what God's given you to do. It's amazing over the years being around younger preachers that have worked for me over the last 20 years. Here, here's the thing that I've learned. If they're not willing to get their hands dirty and clean a toilet, they're, listen, if they're not willing to do that, let me just say this, that, that if they're below cleaning a toilet, they're, they're, they're below preaching in the pulpit. And that's for all of us. Man, if we're not willing to get our hands dirty and, and get down and, and do whatever we need to do to make it happen, you know, I remember, you know I, I've had those times where I remember when it was just me and Stuart around here, and it's like, guess, you know, who's the maintenance guy? Who's cleaning? Who's doing this? Who's cleaning up the puke? And who's, who's doing that stuff sometimes and nobody else wants to do it? We've all got to be willing to do that kind of stuff. If we're not faithful on those little things... We're not going to be faithful for my, y'all have heard me say it, one of my heroes in the faith that I, I grew up under, he said this, and I don't, hero may be a stretch, but he said this, he said, you'll, you'll never find them fighting over a mop, but you'll find them fighting over a microphone. He, another man said this about church, many times the loudest boos come from the cheapest seats. I found that to be true. Many, those that are many like this many times, can I just say this, man, be faithful in that which is least. And that small thing that God's called you to do, keep doing it. It's the small, listen, this will change your life if you can get this sentence I'm about to tell you. I'm telling you. It's the small, daily, consistent things that make a big difference. This is in every area of your life. Your walk with God. It's a small, consistent, daily. Your relationship with your family. It's the small consistent daily. Man, I've known people that were jerks to their family and they try to almost pay them off by taking them on some big vacation. 
but then they're a jerk with them the rest of the year. Does everybody see what I'm saying? You know what will make the difference in your family? It's that every day. It's not just that one meal. It's not just that one trip. How about this? Your job, career, or business. How many of you have learned this? It's the small, daily, consistent, listen, that, that makes the difference long term. I've learned that, man. It doesn't happen overnight. Anything that seems too good to be true, can I just tell you it probably isn't. Those things that you see that other people have, it was the small, daily, consistent things that got them to where they are. This In your finances, it's the same way. Small, daily, consistent things. How about your health? Small, daily, consistent things. Decide daily. Y'all listen to me this morning. Decide daily. Zacharias, no, he was in his place. He was doing what he was supposed to do. Hey, those small things. He didn't know his lot was going to get chosen. He didn't, he didn't run. No, he was doing those small, insignificant things. Listen, decide daily to create the life you want to have. There are many things you cannot control. But listen to me right here. There are many things you can control. Small Daily, being a good steward of the time, the money, the talent that God has given. Your family serve. Your church serve. Your job serve. Continue serving. What to do in the waiting? Continue serving. How about this one I noticed in their lives? Not only continue serving, but secondly, continue praying. Continue praying. Continue praying. Zacharias in the waiting was still worshiping and praying. Look at verse 13. You got your Bibles open? Look at verse 13. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for what? Thy prayer has been heard. Even though God hasn't answered that prayer, yeah, even though this is the first time in 500 years God has spoken, Zacharias has continued praying. And in the waiting, Elizabeth and Zacharias continue praying. He says these words, and this is awesome, and I want to say this to you this morning. Your prayer is heard. When you pray to God, He hears it. Isn't that awesome to think about this morning? He hears your prayers this morning. That thing that you're going through, can I just tell you? Man, talk to him about it. Give it to him. He hears your prayer. I love what Proverbs says in Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. If you're saved by the grace of God this morning, he hears your prayer. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6 says this. Be careful for nothing, but in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Here's what I found. When I'm waiting and I'm praying, I may not see that answer. But when I'm spending time with Him, He's going to give me that peace, even when I don't have the answer. Okay? When you're going through the storm, if you're like me, what do we pray? God, calm this storm. How many of y'all prayed that before? God, heal this health problem. God, help this loved one that's away from you. And you know what? Sometimes what God says to us, we don't like it. He says, you need to wait. It's not my time yet. Elizabeth, Zach, it's not time for you to have this baby yet. It may come down the road, but it ain't time yet. You know what they did? Man, they continued praying. I found this, and you've heard me say this before. It's not that prayer always changes the situation, but you know who prayer changes? It changes me. It teaches me to trust. Man, it helps me to be closer to Him. So in the waiting, the first thing that I need to do is continue serving, continue praying. And as I am continue praying, thirdly, what ends up happening is I continue trusting. Man, I continue trusting. Man, I continue to trust in the Lord. Man, it says in verse number 6, look back at verse number 6. They're in the waiting. Look at this. And they were both, look at it, righteous before God, 
walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, they were blameless. In the waiting, they continued worshiping. This text implies that Zacharias, listen, had some unbelief. There was a point where he started trusting in human reasoning, but there's times we must reject the human reasoning and trust the promises of God. It seems like as God shut him up, that God was teaching him to be quiet. Sometimes God's grace comes in the form of discipline like a loving father, and sometimes it teaches us to trust him more. Psalm 910 And they that know thy name will put thy trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. I love Psalm 37. Maybe you're questioning God this morning. You don't feel like he's there. You don't feel like he's providing. I love what the psalmist says here. This old man says this. I've been young and am now old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed (laughs) begging bread. You know what the psalmist is saying there? If you're one of God's children, you don't have to worry because He is going to provide for you. He is going to tr- He is going to take care of you. And I just want to say, church, this morning, you can trust God. Hey, when it seems like He's not at work, when it seems like He's been silent for 400 years, when it seems like He's not answering that prayer, when it seems like He's not there, when it seems like He's intangible, when it seems like you can't control the situation, when it seems like you can't get an answer, when it seems like you haven't seen a miracle in a long time, when it seems like you're alone and God's not there. I just want to remind you this morning to keep on serving and to keep on praying and to keep on trusting because God's timing is always perfect. His plan is always perfect. Listen, I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I know this. His his way this morning is perfect. Keep on serving, keep on praying, and keep on trusting. You may be in a place of waiting. I mean, you may have prayed a prayer a thousand times and you feel like you haven't got an answer. I just want to remind you that God is always at work, even behind those scenes. Man, He's at work. We've got to serve, we've got to pray, and we've got to trust. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's stand to our feet. If you need a place to pray this morning, the altar's open. When we dismiss in just a minute, there'll be some counselors on the front.